Hey everybody, uh, this is Josh Schultz, pastor at Mountain View Lutheran Church in Great Falls, Montana. And Nathan Lairs, pastor at Illumin Church in Rock Hill, South Carolina. And we are having this conversation with each other and with you today uh, to just chew on a, a piece of God's word and to, you know, during the week uh, when it might be hard to get in a devotion or maybe you weren't able to uh, attend worship or your church's Bible class this week. And this is a Bible study in a discussion format that we can work through the Gospel of John as we have been doing. And today, today, Nate and I, uh, we usually get together beforehand for 15, 20 minutes and talk about what we're going to talk about. We talked about a whole bunch of other stuff today, what's going on in each other's lives. And so we're just winging it. We promise that we are hit, hitting record and we are not going to stop and go back to try to say something or organize it differently. So we are going through uh, John chapter 11. And uh, how you doing today, Nate? <laughs> it's, been, it's, it's been a day. I told you off air, I'll say this is, uh, I was looking forward to this. This is the highlight of my day. Um, so I, I told you, and you know, you lied a little bit because we did five seconds of preparation because I said, we're just going to go and I'm going to ask you, Josh, what is your favorite part of John chapter 11? We got to so, have, we got to have, we got to have uh, our listeners read John 11 too, right? So if you do that, uh, please press, or okay. if you're listening, please hit pause, please hit pause and read it. All of John 11. And if you're coming back because you hit pause and read it, uh, Nate, ask the question again. What is your favorite part of John 11? You know, I think I'm supposed to say when Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life, because like that's the biggest truth to take home and like to, to live with uh, here and in eternity. I... But I'm telling you, man, it's just like when he sh when he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. I'm like, you can't beat it. <laughs> like, mm. like you cannot. And it isn't even him raising Lazarus from the dead. I mean, that's just so amazing in and of itself. But just like him, like if I could hear or be anywhere, you know, in all the gospels in the life of Jesus, it's him saying, Lazarus, come out like to hear his tone, to hear the volume of it, the sternness of it, the joy in it. And just like, man, that's my favorite part. It gives me chills every time I read it, every time I preach on it. It's just like, this is really cool. I love that. I had no idea what you were going to say. Um, yeah, that would be, that would be amazing. Mm -hmm. And then for him act like, what were the, to see the look on the people's faces Mm -hmm. when he said that and like <laughs> yeah jesus we already told you a billion times he's dead <laughs> he's not coming out of there and shut that stone well think of how many times in all of his miracles i mean especially this one i mean this is the pinnacle when people would have said that but it's like you know him approaching the lepers um i don't know him having him gather the bread and fish when he's feeding the thousands. Mm -hmm. It's just like always like when he's about to do a miracle and like they realize he's trying to do something here, he's about to do something. It's like, wait a minute, what, what is this guy doing? You know, you know, but also you think about it at the same point, maybe they, 
you know, they said, yeah, he's been dead because they didn't know he was going to raise him from the dead. It seems like they had they had caught on to it. You know, when he says take away the stone and they say by this time there's a bad odor because he's been dead for four days. You know, when he said take away the stone or Lazarus come out, you know, at this point in time, you know, after three years, especially for his disciples, it's just like they could be ignorant fools. We see that again and again. But at this point, it's just like, come on, like you got to know this dude's this dude's for real. Like when he says Lazarus come out, you know, like he's about to walk out. Oh, oh I, uh, maybe. Yeah, definitely after the fact. Uh, and this might lead into, it's so hard because there's so many awesome parts of, of John 11. But before I tell you what my favorite part is, I love how, right? So Lazarus come out and then verse 44 says, the dead man came out. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't say, like, just, I, why does John write it that way? I don't know. I think he's got to be emphasizing that Lazarus was actually dead. Right. Because up in verse 39, it says, Martha saying, but Lord said, Martha, the sister of the dead man, you know, so, so twice in what five verses to identify Lazarus, not as Lazarus, but as the dead, dead man. man. Um, that's just, I don't know. I don't know why John wrote it that way, but that's the only explanation I can think of. And I didn't find any other, but the dead man and yeah. the dead man came out his hands and feet wrapped, uh, yeah. But then after the fact, like you said, well, actually you said what, when he says Lazarus come out, they got to know. And maybe they did. I, I don't know. But after he came out, then they all knew this guy's for like, yeah. and, and then the, the rest of the chapter proves it. And right. this might be the, uh, we down here in the South, we've got a saying, um, bless your heart. And uh, growing up, from the Midwest, I would have always thought that that was a nice thing to, for someone to say like, oh, bless you. God bless you. Like akin to that. But down here in the South, if someone says bless your heart or bless her heart. It's like, and I, I don't, I don't promise to be the expert here, but I used it. I used it correctly on Sunday in the sermon. People told me because bless her heart. It's like, oh, she, uh, she, she pity. You, you have pity. It's like having pity on someone. Yeah. Um, like, like bless, bless pastor's heart. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Like something like that. Um, and I said, bless those Pharisees hearts because which verse is it here? Um, verse 48, they said, if we let him go on like this, like they thought they could control Jesus, um, bless their hearts. If we let him go on like this, if we let, if we let him keep, if we let him keeping, I can't say this. If we let him keep raising people from the dead, then everyone's going to believe in him. Mm-hmm. And so what did they do? So from that day forward, they plotted to take his life. They actively went for it, made plans, all that stuff. And then what did Jesus do? <laughs> like they, they stopped him from raising people from the dead. But not himself. And then he rose from the dead. So like, you know, they had to be so happy. They had to be so happy on Good Friday and on Saturday. And then, because they did what they wanted to, except they didn't, because Jesus rose himself from the dead. Mm-hmm.
Um, and that might be my, that might be my favorite, my favorite part of the chapter. I don't know. It's hard to say though. Just all like all the plans that they made and they were, they were powerful people, but even they, and it just goes to show that nothing hinders God from doing, nothing stops God from doing what he wants to do. He's God. And the more I'll just say person, the more I see that in my life, the better. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Is that your, I haven't even what you, is that, we talk no, about I, 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 I asked myself, I think. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> How about what else? Um, I think another part that just, you know, hits me to the core, you know, in a good way is Jesus wept, right? There's just that aspect of like growing up as a kid, you always see that, that it's always that trivia question of what's the shortest verse in the Bible, right? Jesus wept and, you know, you just pass over it. But, you know, this is something I've preached on this, you know, this is like my third time in four years now, or maybe I think I preach on this every year um, since I've been here at, at Mountain View, what it's, God himself, right? God himself weeping, mourning, uh, even as he knows what he's about to do, right? He mourns the brokenness of this world. He he mourns death. You know, this isn't the way it's supposed to be. Um, There's just something so powerful in that to know that, you know, when you talk about godly grief, you know, of a Christian, you know, we don't mourn like the rest of the world, you know, First Thessalonians of those without hope. But yet we grieve knowing that, you know, it's just sad of what's happening of people of just any any type of death. Uh, and he grieves right as he is about to raise him from the dead. And, and I just look at that to be like, you're peering into the heart of God right there of why he sent his son of why Jesus does what he does, his mission and his purpose, not only then, but in our lives, he does it to take away this grief, right? That we don't have to live in this any longer. That's just, there's just something so beautiful in that of Jesus wept. Yeah, I agree. I, uh, you know, you've got Jesus wept in 35, 33. He was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. And then 38, Jesus once more deeply moved. And I, you know, I explained it on Sunday, the same, basically the same way you just said it, that he was, he was grieving at the fact that death happened. He was, even though he knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead, like grieving at the fact that death is part of our existence here. Cause that's not how God intended it. Um, even though, you know, like Martha said, G- Lazarus was going to rise at the last day. Everyone was still crying. Um, but I also read, I read something else and I don't know, I'm going to ask you what you think. Why was Jesus weeping? Why was he deeply moved? Was it, was it at the fact that Lazarus died or was it at the fact that everyone else was weeping? Like, was he sad at Lazarus's death or was he sad at the fact that, was he sad for everybody else there? Mm-hmm. Um, 
or was he sad himself at the loss of Lazarus? Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, why wouldn't it be both? I mean, you think of mourning at a funeral, right? Um, I mean, we've, we've lived it and we've experienced it to say like, let's say somebody close to you, somebody in your family dies, you cry on your own, you hear the news, you know, it breaks you up. But, you know, then there's that moment when you walk in to the funeral or you think of, you know, even if you're not super, super close, like immediate family with the person who died, but then you see the immediate family weeping, like it just mm. it, it tears you up. And, and, it, and, you know, it might make you, because of that, of your emotional response of sympathy to cry with them. Um, and I think, you know, there's that element there because we're talking about the humanity of Jesus here. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. I like that explanation. Um, and I, we had a funeral here on Saturday, um, the day before Sunday when we looked at this in worship and yeah, just thinking back on the grieving I did, um, because it was a mom of one of our, of the people here at Illumin. And um, so I didn't know her at all, but the grieving for the, for the people who did know her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just, I mean, this point too, of just like, you know, just to remember this, that as you, as you do grieve, as you do mourn the loss of loved ones, even a, you know, as we talk about fellow believers, we know that they're in heaven. We know, you know, they have no more pain. Um, they have perfect joy. But to say, as you grieve in this life here and now, you're not grieving alone. Right? There Jesus mm. is with you the entire step of the way. Yeah, yeah. And don't shy away from the grief. Because mm-hmm. even even Jesus grieved. Mm-hmm. And he didn't do anything wrong. Um and I, I, I don't know if made light is the right way, but if I were Jesus, I wouldn't have grieved. Mm-hmm. I would have said, hey, y'all, I'm raising him from the dead. Just Smile. wait, right? Just wait. <laughs> like, right? But, and he knew he was going to do that. Um, he knew he was going to do that. And he still grieved, which just boggles my mind. It's and, just and, so, and, yeah. Yeah, it, it proves beyond the shadow of a doubt that grieving is not wrong. And I don't remember when it was in my life when I first kind of realized this and what was going on here. I think it was after I became a pastor, but it definitely changed the way that I thought about grieving myself. And then as I talked to other people who were grieving Mm -hmm. and I don't, thankfully looking back, I don't think I've ever told someone, Hey, like you should get over it. Like a death is because that's just not even as a Christian, because we might say to ourselves, Oh, you know, she's in heaven or he's in heaven. I should just be happy because they're with Jesus, which they are. But also there's a hole here and it's sad. And Jesus was sad. Right. And, and grief. And, and I've heard it said this way, and this is how I explain it to people too. It's like, never be ashamed of grief um, because that again is a, a sign of proof of fruit of the fact that you were thankful and you cherish this person that when God, mm-hmm. when God, when you had them here with you in this life, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a reason why we don't grieve and mourn the deaths of strangers. You know, because we don't have that emotional response because you know they weren't with us. We didn't have them. 
in our lives because they're strangers. But, you know, you're giving thanks to God for the gift that he, he gave you. And now you don't have and you wait for the reuniting um, in heaven. Yeah. Go, yeah. I, Go on, sir. The, the, well, so the lady whose funeral was last week, she, she died from COVID. Uh, she's diagnosed the end of February and then died two weeks later or tested positive the end of February and, and died two weeks later. And, um, you know, you see death stats and it means like that one death of a person, you know, matters more than the fact that, well, I don't, it doesn't matter more objectively, but it matters more to you. It hits you more mm-hmm. than seeing 500,000 people have died from COVID in the last year right. or, you know, 500,000 people a year die from heart disease or, right. or whatever it is, cancer. Like you can see those, but if you, if someone you love died in the last year from any of those things, that hits you in a different way than, than people you didn't know. And it, um, you know, talking about the people that you love and know of how Mary and Mary and Martha were, you know, looking and depending on Jesus, you know, to come and help, you know, from the very get go. And it's just so fascinating. I, I see here in John 11, just like what I saw in John chapter four with the woman at the well, like you just hindsight's twenty twenty for us where we know exactly what's about to happen. But yet, just to read this and, and, and study it and go over it again and again, every time I look at it anew, it's like watching Jesus navigate the situation, knowing what he's about to do. Like, he's very patient and he's strategic. He's got himself with that type of wisdom that he just navigates the conversation and the situation. It's just like, man, he just never lets, you could say, never lets a cat out of the bag until he raises mm-hmm. Lazarus from the dead. And we don't get his strategy sometimes. Like right. sometimes you look at it and you see, oh, wow. But look at verse uh, five and six. And this might be maybe my second favorite part of John 11, although I shouldn't say that. But verse five says, now Jesus loved Martha and their sister and Lazarus. Verse six. So because he loved them, so when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. So the word, and, and at the beginning of verse six, and it's, you know, do a little bit of uh, a tiny bit of Greek speak here. It's the word un, which you can also translate it therefore, which right. is cl- like the clear cause and effect. Right. Here's the thing that happened. And the result is this. So it's like, it's not just a, like a, so this happened next. It's like, no. There's a cause and effect here. So he heard Lazarus was sick and he stayed where he was. He let him die. Why? Because he loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And, you know, we know what happens later. So we can see that the best thing for those three in the long run was that Lazarus actually died and then came back to life. So we get it. But in our lives, when everything that happens happens because Jesus loves us and he lets it happen, that's when it gets hard. And, you know, when I look at that, it's just, it just keeps coming to mind that God does not play the short game. He plays the long game. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like when you talk about working all things for your eternal good, like he's always playing the long game with you, with his plan and his will for you. And I, 
you know, I said, I always say this. It's just like, what's God's number one goal to get you to heaven? Like point A to point B. Never forget that. Mm-hmm. And not to say, again, it's very dangerous when we put all these silver linings and the tragedies of our lives like death. Uh, but just have that perspective, you know, have that perspective of point A to point B. Look where he's taking you. And he's going to work everything out, even the, even the bad. Um, he's playing the long game. And, you know, it's, when you look at that as, Lord, let me go back to this and have that kind of faith to trust in you. Just like when you look at Martha, right, how she responds to Jesus in that interaction, you know, verses 17 through, you know, 28. It's mm-hmm. like that type of faith that even when you're upset about what God did or let happen, trust him. Trust him. How about yeah, this? Amen. Amen. Go on. No, I was just, amen. Yeah, I was just going to say, let's just talk a little bit, a few minutes about, again, speculation here. What was le- what was life like for Lazarus after he was raised from the dead? You just can't help but think because it doesn't say anything about it. But it's just like, oh gosh, we gotta we gotta at least you know uh, we gotta talk about it. Well, uh, let me go one deeper uh, speculation. What was life like for Lazarus for the four days that he was dead? I <laughs> and that I think I just have no idea. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Like, did he, you know, like when, when he walked out of the tomb, was he like, what in the world, Jesus, why'd you bring me back here? I was in heaven. Um, or like, I, I don't know. I don't know. There, And this is again, like complete speculation. And we have to preface like everything we say here like that, but there's just some part of me, I don't know, you know, the possibility is like, did he, was he in heaven? And then he came back and he knew what heaven was like and he told people about it. Okay. Because people do that with near death experiences, don't they? I mean, there's lots of stories of people like, right. You know, whether it was they in heaven, they're in heaven or they saw the light or whatever. And like, they testify that this is what happened, you know, was, was Lazarus like that? You know, maybe we don't know. Or, or did Jesus pull a Will Smith men in black? uh, And he erased his memory, (laughs) you know, and Lazarus like, just live life mm-hmm. only knowing that, you know, he was dead and he was alive and he didn't talk about, you know, I don't know. Like it's complete speculation. Yeah. yeah. So here, here's a little non-speculation. Um, John 12 verse nine and 10. Here's a little bit of what life was like for Lazarus. People tried to kill him. So mm-hmm. 12 verse 9 says, meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. So I, for as at least the next month, because we're like a month away, a month away from Jesus being crucified, maybe a little bit more for the next month, at least. And perhaps after Jesus rose from the dead, I don't know for how long they tried to do it. But and to think as Lazarus knew their plans of trying to kill them, would that have bothered him at all? You know, like, uh, I already did that. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I already died. 
Yeah. Like life for, and, and life for Mary and Martha too. Like, you know, when you're going through, when Mary and Martha were going through a hard time three years later, and of course they're going to remember Jesus rising from the dead, but also man, remember when Lazarus was dead for four days, like you, like imagine, I mean, and some of you, well, like most of us don't have to imagine like burying a family member and then them coming alive again. Mm -hmm. Mm. And, you know, we're saying what if here, but like, that's what we have in Jesus. He did rise from the dead. I just love that of Mary and Martha's experience of, of their dead brother given back to them. You know, just like when Jesus says, take off the grave clothes and let him go. He's just like saying, here he is. I'm giving him back to you. Mm-hmm. And to say, as we look ahead to our own physical resurrection made certain in Jesus, the first fruits of the resurrection, um, God's going to give, God's going to give us our, our dead loved ones back. Right. What he did. Yeah. Lazarus to them. He's going to give them back to us. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, I've heard uh, eternity described something to the effect of it's so good. It will, it will make it as if everything bad and everything sad never happened at all or like it it came undone mm-hmm. um and i heard a i heard a, a pastor tell a story his and it sounds really weird but like once a year he would have a dream that his wife died mm-hmm. um and then he said it got to the point where i almost looked forward to having the dream because the couple minutes after you wake up and saw his wife next to him were so amazing Right. Because it was, you know, it was like, I thought you were dead, but you're actually alive. And so he, he didn't mind, even though the dream was the worst, but the waking up from the dream and because the bad thing in the dream never actually happened. And that's not to minimize the bad things here in life. But when we're out of this life and in the eternal life, it will be just as if this was a dream. And it's to say, what does Jesus, what does Jesus describe? In verse 11, he describes death as what, as he has done before. And with Jairus' daughter, when she was dead, uh, that death is asleep. Mm. Yeah. yeah. All right, yeah. Good. We're, at, uh, we're at 126 here. Sounds good. Uh, How about, uh, sure, I'll close this with prayer. Yeah. Uh, Jesus, thank you for John 11, for your, uh, your love and your strategy, which we get to see how you worked it out there in John 11, but in our lives, we don't always, uh, we don't always get to see the end, but yet we know the end because you promise that you, you allow everything to happen because you love us. Um, even if we never realize that here on earth, um, thank you for telling Lazarus to come out of the grave. Um, thank you for raising yourself from the dead. Even when the Pharisees thought they beat you. Um, thank you for calling us out of the grave one day. Um, we know that even our own death um, is not asleep. Um, we know that you'll say the same to us that you that you said to Lazarus, and uh, we will live with you in perfection forever. Um, so take that eternal joy and work it into our hearts every single day, because um, it's true. 
Thank you. Amen.